Phase two, it's official. We've now entered the second stage of the pandemic. This second stage is called recovery. And with that recovery will come a new normal. There'll be new ways for consumers to engage in commerce and a myriad of new ways to pay. Mobile wallets, QR codes, and things we haven't even heard of yet. In many ways, 2020 will be remembered as the year of new ways to pay. In this edition of FinTech Friday, 2020, the year of new ways to pay. I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on May 28th, and this is FinTech Friday, brought to you by Cardlinks. It's great to be with you. This week, in many ways, has been a turning point. Whether it is Milan reopening cafes, Paris lifting some of the shelter-in-place restrictions, or most U.S. states like New York allowing many merchant categories to reopen, it's very clear that we are entering a new normal. The first phase was crisis and chaos, and now we've entered phase two, and that looks more like a slow recovery. You can see how the globe and commerce patterns have changed in just the past week on our website at www.cardlinks.org. Check out the commerce activity tracker under the COVID-19 resources tab. As we enter phase two, most experts believe that things will be very different than before the pandemic began. Merchants will sell in different ways. For example, most restaurants will have e-commerce order capability that's going to allow for delivery or pickup. The way we pay will also be very different. For example, many of us will use mobile wallets instead of cash or credit cards that require us to touch a potentially infected point of sale. In short, 2020 will be the year of new ways to pay. At the forefront of this change are many leading global payments juggernauts. One of these global companies is MasterCard. With over 12 billion in revenues and over 13,000 employees around the world, MasterCard has positioned itself as one of the key companies championing the new ways for consumers to pay. Michael Breen is an executive with MasterCard based in Asia, one of the most innovative payments markets in the world. In our conversation today, we learned how MasterCard has moved beyond card payments and some of the key new ways people are engaging in commerce in phase two of this recovery. Well, good morning, Michael. How are you? Hi, Silvio. Very good. How are you today? I'm doing great. And you are in Asia where you're based in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Is that correct, Michael? That is correct. I'm in my family home here in KL, under lockdown, safe and sound, I'm glad to say. And I hope everyone else is too as well. I know Asia has been facing its fair share of challenges. Um, tell me a little bit about what you do, Michael, for, for MasterCard in Asia and in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, so I currently work for MasterCard Asia Pacific, um, forwarding our, our digital agenda and our digital solution capabilities across the region really focused on e-commerce and providing the best consumer experience for payment capabilities for our banking customers and our merchants alike. 
If I could ask you to sort of put your your future telling hat on, um, maybe fortune teller is a better way to say it. What do you think we should be expecting uh, for the balance of 2020 in payments? What are some of the things that are either in the category of innovation or new trends that we should expect to see here as we look towards the end of the year? So essentially, uh, we, we will see more better user experience in store, I think, is going to be quite clear because there's an incentive for both merchant and consumer to, to speed up the process and to reduce the friction in, in the payment transaction. I also expect to see changes in, in, in how stores could potentially monitor how many people are in there at a given time. Um, I know I know that here in KL, for example, my, my local supermarket doesn't let anyone of 15 people in there. If that becomes a new normal, how do you manage that going forward where you're taking the names and addresses of everybody coming into the store, taking a, a temperature check, and then managing the amount of people in there at a point in time? The automation of that, I think, has a lot of growth. It all comes down to really, is, is this going to be the new normal or is this something that's going to last for three to six months? We're starting to see some trends in, you know, in Japan, in Korea, where the automation uh, of this behavior, of, these, of this information is starting to take place. Companies are already exploring this. Well, it's not payments related, but it's certainly commerce related as to how people can interact in store. And, and I wholly expect those types of services to become the new norm and, and, and to grow rapidly, uh, not, not just in developed markets, but uh, developing as well. MasterCard is one of the world's leading payment networks, and that word card is right there at the end of your brand name, MasterCard. But MasterCard is also introducing all sorts of new ways to pay. It's mobile wallets, online wallets, as you mentioned, e-commerce, even new types of credit cards like contactless cards, for example. Which one of these new ways to pay is going to be the most popular in 2020? So, so MasterCard has, has, has helped drive more payments innovation in the, in the last five years than in the previous 50. An example of some of these uh, initiatives is our tokenization platform, which encrypts all the card data across all points of the transactions. So we're seeing this scaling rapidly. Last year, we launched click to pay in the US, uh, which provides a, a really enhanced e-commerce checkout experience while securing that card data end-to-end. And we also launched Digital First. Our Digital First proposition is where digital is the primary use case and physical is an optional choice. And then you touched on contactless. Um, There's been a lot of focus this year, um, as you can imagine, Uh, a lot more focus on in-store contactless payments. But again, the form factor, whether it's plastic or digital, we want to drive the best experience for the user at that point of transaction. And would you say that last one, contactless, will be maybe the one that's going to bring the most amount of new volume to MasterCard this year? So, so contactless has been around for over 10 years. Excluding the U.S., contactless payments accounts for about 50% of our global card present purchases. In Europe, it's about 75% of all of our transactions. And in Australia, as an example, it represents about 98 percent of all food restaurant transactions. So yes, it's a very important for us, but it's not something that's new. Um, but we are seeing a lot more demand and a lot more desire for, uh, for the user experience. 
Um, we enabled the contactless limit in, in dozens of countries earlier this year to enable even more transactions to be contactless, speeding up that checkout experience and reducing those physical interactions. You referenced physical interactions. Do you think that um, contactless being viewed as a cleaner way to pay will drive accelerated um, usage of, of contactless? Are you already seeing that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you won't be surprised to hear that there's been you know a significant shift to e-commerce. Small businesses have been able to rapidly build out and, and get their online presence running, get the logistics channels up to speed. There's been an overall shift from cash um, as consumers start to use more electronic payment methods for, for lower value transactions. Um, again, reducing that contact and speeding up the process at checkout. Yeah. You work with um, a number of your different offices uh, and colleagues in different parts of Asia. I know uh, the headquarters for MasterCard in Asia is Singapore. Are, are you seeing some differences emerge in um, in how payments are developing in in those markets? Um, and I, and I'm most interested in the differences between some of the larger markets like like China and Japan um, and Malaysia and Indonesia. Yeah. So and 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 you, you, those those markets, are, you know, whilst they're very large, they're, they're very different in in culture, very different in their economic position, and also in their um, in their user demographics. You know, if you think about uh, Japan as a as a good example, it's one of the largest economies in the world, it has a relatively mature demographic, um, but is also very cash orientated. The, the government uh, there's a government uh, objective to make cash uh, to reduce cash to only 60% in the coming years and it's currently at uh, 20% electronic which you know considering Japan's technology prowess and and, and culture and, and pride um, in, in delivering the best the best experiences it, it shows that there's a lot of opportunity there to grow versus a market like uh, like uh, Indonesia where you've got you know, around 300 million people with an average age in, in, in their mid-20s, um, who is a rapidly growing, rapidly emerging economy, but has been largely unbanked um, for, for, for generations. What we're seeing there is an existential growth um, in, in digital payments and electronic payments. But what we're also seeing is a, is a, is a rapid shift in technology. So I, I wholly expect markets like Indonesia to, to skip um, technology uh, to move, to not go to plastic, to go straight to electronic and digital and to grow exponentially quicker um, you know, as they move from cash to digital um, than, than some of the more developed markets we've seen. And then you've got markets like, uh, like Singapore, again, quite a small country, um, but highly developed, wealthy country as well where digital payments have exploded um, in the last few years. But with that explosion, even in a small market, you're, you're seeing a lot of, um, a lot of competition. Um, Singapore prides itself as being the, the fintech center for, for Asia, potentially even the world. And that has attracted huge interest from, from fintechs. Uh, and, and Singapore's become a testbed for a lot of these companies to see how they can grow and they can build out their, their business and then how they can model and develop that in, in other markets beyond, beyond Asia. Really fascinating. Now, many of us are seeing how coronavirus is uh, changing many things, but it's also changing the way we engage in commerce and payments. What would you say is the single biggest change that you're seeing from a commerce perspective due to the pandemic? We're seeing more trust, I think, is probably the best way of thinking about it. 
But cash has been moving to electronic for quite some time. But there's no doubt about the fact that those low value, those low end transactions where people would have traditionally gone to their wallet and taken out a, a piece of paper to make that transaction. They're now considering using contactless instead. And also from a merchant's point of view, again, no physical contact or reduced physical contact, not just from, from a person to person point of view, but, but touching the cash itself as well. Um, the, the perception that cash that cash is dirty in that regard um, is really driving people to want to use um, contactless, want to use electronic, and, and really driving that experience in-store and online. MasterCard is a really in a unique position because you work with so many banks around the world and uh, so many millions of merchants around the world accept your cards. So you're in a really unique position to um, understand best practices, what works and what doesn't work. What are some of the things that you've observed and maybe you would advise either a merchant or a bank, things that they should be doing to help their business thrive and, and prosper in what's a very difficult operating environment right now? So uh, from a MasterCard perspective, we want to make our transactions secure. We want to make our customers get paid correctly on time and allowing those transactions to happen as quickly and as friction-free as possible. Creating that experience and making it friction-free for the consumer is critical for a business to be able to engage with them and want people to have, in particularly in the, in the current environment, to come back again and understand that they have a reliable process of transacting and a reliable process of engaging with the merchants in a safe and secure manner. What are some of the things that MasterCard's doing right now to help businesses um, you know, weather this storm, uh, this storm of COVID-19? I guess from a, from a business point of view, our perspective is we will get through this. We're managing our business so we can be there for our partners today and even stronger for them when we come out on the other side. We've been relatively, you know, pretty proactive helping them with the refund process. We're constantly doubling down on our fraud management. We're sharing data and intelligence to reduce the volume of unnecessary chargebacks. We're helping communities at the local level. We're working with customers to bring smaller shops online, increase digital payments acceptance, and support their business. We've made a $250 million commitment to support small business. Amongst us, capabilities will include there. Uh, we'll be giving small businesses local market intelligence, help them understand consumer trends and how they can target their customers and how they can engage with the right community. Great insights. Uh, thank you so much, Michael. I wish you and your family um, the greatest health and also a smooth transition to Tokyo later on in the year. Thank you very much, Silvio, and I hope uh, I hope we'll finally get to uh, have that conference that we promised each other in Tokyo uh, later this year or next. Yes, very much looking forward to it, uh, Michael. Um, all the best and uh, talk to you soon. Many thanks, Silvio. Take care. That's Michael Breen uh, with MasterCard in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Coming right up, some closing thoughts on innovation in 2020. Innovation is probably one of the most overused terms in business. We sometimes call things innovative when they're really not. But the current period seems really different somehow. We're seeing unprecedented change in the payments and fintech industries, and that change seems real and groundbreaking in many ways, as we've just heard. With all of that innovation comes a stark choice. Do we embrace the new ways of doing things, 
or do we fight them? As I've been speaking with leading executives from around the world, I'm noticing a really significant trend. Despite all the challenges, many of these leaders are embracing change and doing some of the best work of their entire career. So embrace the change, go for the innovation. This is the chance to do some of the best work in your career. For FinTech Friday from the Cardlinks Association, talk to you next week. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares signing off.